0: You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. How many you know? we're, we're 18. We're coming up on that 20. The old double-decade marriage. Hello. That feels amazing. And that does feel like a long time. You know, it's what's interesting is... If you've been married for that 20 plus years or 18 plus now for us, how many know that marriage wasn't perfect all 20 years? And if you had a perfect 20 years so far, please come up afterward. Let's do a seminar on perfect marriage. We'd love to hear it. But the, the truth is, marriage really is beautifully like a great wine that gets better with age, right? It, it, it matures with age. It gets stronger with that. When you stay together, when you keep working through the good seasons and the difficult seasons. Like we've talked about, and I've preached on this before, right? We've had passionate seasons, roommate seasons, highs and lows, everywhere in between. But when you keep building together, when you keep fighting for a great marriage, when you keep fighting for that relationship... You get to 18 plus years now, and it's the best season of our marriage. You can ask my wife to confirm or deny that later on. Uh, it's the best season yet, and I love you, and it's been an honor to share these first 18. I'm excited for the next 18 together, and uh, it's, it's worth every moment, you know, fighting for a beautiful marriage. Right, Fleming? So you're, you're in there, right? Year one. Year one. In it. You'll catch up. For, I remember when we were in first year of marriage and someone said they'd been married 17, 18 years. I thought, that is an eternity. How is that How is that even possible? And now here we are, <laughs> 18 years in. So uh, I'm excited to get into uh, the word here this morning, continuing in our, our grateful uh, series. And I, I want to kind of start by... You know, kind of reminiscing a little bit uh in my Bible college days, right, so years back uh, up in the Northwest, I went to school up there, and I was a little bit of your typical sort of poor college student kind of thing going on in bible college and so what I would do as a kid i I remember hearing a phrase, "Never pass up a free meal," so I kind of tried to uh, live that out a little bit as a college student, and I would sort of just strategically try to find myself near the office of one of the pastors up in Seattle near lunchtime. You know what I'm saying? So just kind of loitering, maybe helping, maybe cleaning if need be, you know, whatever's needed. And uh, I remember, you know, that this whole scenario and just hoping they'd be like, hey, what are you doing for lunch? Weird you'd ask, nothing. And uh, also I have no money. So uh so if we're on the same page, I'd love to come with you, you know, <laughs> so I'm going to preempt that a little bit, you know, uh, and so I remember enjoying those or, you know, if you go and you're not sure if they're going to pay for your meal or not, and uh, you're going through, you're like, you know, I'm just drinking water today. Uh, oh, really? Why? Ah, just fasting and praying. Well, I got your meal. Uh, fast is over. And uh, <laughs> it's a miracle. The Lord has told me. I don't have to fast anymore, and uh, I'm going to eat with you, so that's, look what the Lord's already doing, you know, so... But what was, what was funny is as that season went and then, you know, I'd graduated and then I was on staff and I was a pastor. And then I remember, okay, now interns are helping me and, and working together in my world. And I began to realize, right, I started noticing that shift, right? That change over from me being just the recipient of all the gifts and the blessing and the generosity I remember realizing, oh, wait, it's, it's my turn to do that now. Right? I, get, I remember like a decisive moment because, to be honest, I'd kind of been stuck in a receiving posture. If I was, even though I'd kind of been progressing in certain areas, enjoying the benefits or enjoying the blessing in other areas, I had got stuck in a who's taking care of me type of a mode. Instead of doing that natural shift that has to happen of maturity where you move from it just being a receiving to actually being now I'm the one giving, right? Acts chapter 20 verse 35 says this, In in everything I did, this is the Apostle Paul, says, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, that's in the Bible, the word hard work, this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. If we're honest, it's easier to receive than to give, but Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. I think I've noticed that in my life. I've, I've experienced that, right? It can be easy to just be in there receiving who's helping, who's taking care of, where's the blessing. We're praying for it. We need a miracle. We need a God story. We need a breakthrough. And we can be stuck in that posture. But Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. So a little while back, I was uh, hanging with Pastor Jurgen, and I can't remember who else was in that conversation. And Pastor Jurgen asked this question he says, why does Jesus say it's more blessed to give than to receive? And I don't know about you, but even though I've been a pastor for a long time, I still started sweating because I was nervous. I was like, what if I have the wrong answer to this thing? You know what I mean? And uh, it was, you know, like, like Jesus who asked, he asked his disciples questions a lot. Like, where are we going to get food for these people? How are we going to feed them? Uh, who do men say that I am? He's asking questions, not because he doesn't know the answers, right? But he's, he's trying to see where you're at. Where's your head at? So Pastor Juergen's asking one of those questions, not because he didn't know the answer, but he wants to go, where's Samuel at? How is he getting it? You know, and you just feel like, Oh man, like you know, I just feel feel like my hands are getting sweaty. I'm trying to figure out like, man, I really got to make sure I answer this thing correctly. I'm like, because ah, giving's better. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think I, I made up, you know, some answer I was feeling like was the best in the moment. And and he said, you know, he said, why why does God do that? Because it's a kingdom thing that Jesus is engaging us with, where he's trying to keep us in that cycle of generosity, right? He's, he doesn't want you to just get into a place where you stop, where the blessing of God stops with you, but that actually you keep the cycle of generosity flowing, right? There's sowing and there's reaping. Well, if you don't go back to sowing, you're never going to see any reaping anymore, right? You plant one good harvest or one good, you know, seed, you get a good harvest, and if it stops like that. If you don't keep sowing, if you don't keep that, it, it stops the cycle. God has designed the earth to work in a giving and receiving type of a mode, right? That my 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 uh, the blessing of God it cannot stop with me. It's actually something that can be dangerous. We can get into where we actually move into almost like being so thankful. If we stay in a, a thankful, grateful, receiving posture, it actually starts moving into a level of greed where we're just Collecting all the goodness and it stops with us. But God never designed His goodness to stop with you. His favor was never supposed to just stop with you, it's supposed to go through you. It's supposed to extend through you, to you, and then beyond you. And in our lives, when we're living in this grateful posture, we have to understand that, that when, I'm, when I'm living with God, when I'm engaging with his goodness and with his blessing and with his generosity, when I'm doing all of that, I have to understand that it doesn't, just, it doesn't end with me. I want to be somebody who's not only receiving the goodness of God, but be, then beginning to move with it, begin to stay generous with it. So Pastor Euron is just talking about we, God wants to keep us in this cycle of his favor, this, this cycle of his goodness, a cycle of his blessing. So gratefulness and goodness and everything that God has given me, I don't want to just be on the receiving end. I want to shift to being somebody who's actually staying generous. This is a kingdom mentality, oftentimes, Uh, rages against a a general societal kind of mode where it's more about what can I get and how, you know, I got to take care of me. I got to look after me. Even, you know, when the whole pandemic first started and everyone's hoarding toilet paper, right? Come on, everyone bow your head, close your eyes. If that was you, go ahead and lift up your hand. Uh, right, it's like people are like shoving old ladies over as they run into the toilet paper house like come on people like let's chill out right that we got to stay in a giving and receiving mode. I can't just have a what, looking out for myself type of mentality, right? It's even where I'm going to uh push on a statement like America first. Okay? Yep. A- amen in, 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 in essence, but here's, let, me, let me just kind of say what I think about that because there's so much that I love and I agree and echo all kinds of other phrases around that, but the kingdom actually puts others first, right? So while well, we have to take care of our our home, where we have to protect things, where we have to stay healthy, where we have to guard where we're at. We also cannot have a a mindset that does not care about how other people's lives are, right? So there's got to be a kingdom balance in these conversations around what is first and what is not, right? And um, y'all follow me on social media, so you know where I land in a lot of this stuff, right? But I just think it's an important note that just because it's a commonly uh, repeated type of a phrase, just make sure you understand what you're saying and why you're saying it. Right? Because I want to be somebody who, well, I take care of the home front. I don't neglect everything else because I don't care about that. Right? So what's the spirit behind some of the stuff that we're saying? I want to be a giving and receiving. That was a little tangent. Let me get back to Matthew chapter 10, uh, verse 5 and 8. It says this, these 12, Jesus sent out with the following instruction. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near to you. Heal the sick, raise the dead. I just love that Jesus just puts that in the instructions. You know what I mean? Like it's just, there's no thing. Hey, people are dead, raise them. That's what's up. Come on. this. If Jesus is talking like that, he must assume this would be a part of our normal Christianity, right? Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy or COVID. Drive out demons. Drive out demons. Come on. Don't let demons stay around. Kick them out. Get them off your life. Get them out of your home. Get them off your family. And then it says this, freely you've received, freely give, right? Freely you've received, freely give. This is the kingdom posture, right, that we want to stay in that Jesus calls us to operate in, that it's not just in a receiving, it's in a giving, right? As much as I've received, I need to be generous. As much as come to me, I want to live in a way that actually is staying in a flow of generosity where it's not just about me, it's just not just about my situation. I want to be somebody who's living out a lifestyle where I'm in a, a flow of generosity. That what I have received, I'm now going to give. I'm not going to stay in a place where it's just about everything I'm getting. All of our relationships need to operate like this, right? Friendships, we don't just receive, you want to give, right? In marriage, you don't just need to be on the receiving it, you want to be on the giving it, right? You want to give. want to be generous in relationships, be generous in everything that you do. When it comes to work, when it comes to play, everything that we do in life, we want to stay in a flow where it's not just about me or my thing or what I want, but actually I want to respond in a way that is generous as, as to what I have been given. See, our gratefulness, our appreciation should actually be producing something. There should be a response. Philippians 2, 1 says, Therefore, if any of you, uh, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility... Value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. right? so my if if he's saying, if you've received anything, then I want you to respond this way. So when, when I live in a kingdom mindset, my gratefulness does not just end with saying, God thank you, there has to be a reaction to it. There, there, there should be a response to the goodness of God. There should be a response to the favor of God. There should be a response to the mercy of God. Saying, so if you've received anything from Christ, then here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to live. Here's how I want you to respond. This is the kinds of things you need to do. And it's important that we do understand that gratitude is more than a feeling. It is a response. It's a, it's a reaction. And I love these few verses because they really do rage against our common culture of sort of just focus on yourself. Just all about you. How do you get better? How do you get healthy? You know, it's about you. You got to have you time. You got to have alone time. You got to have self repair, self focus, self reflection. Now, some of those things can be great, and we need to create boundaries. We need to have space and all of that, right? Um, you don't need to, seem to be run ragged by other people. But having said that, your key to health, your key to a great life, your key to happiness is not found in yourself. It's not found in you just taking care of you. It's actually found in you serving others. It's actually found in you giving, right? It's found in you loving other people. And we got to be careful that we don't kind of buy into that thing. It's just, it's, I got I to gotta focus on me, got to focus on me, got to focus on me. No, no, actually, the more I focus on other people, the better my life is. That's why, we, that's why so many of us, we love to, to serve and to help and to find ways to take care of people, right? There's literally a scientific thing called the helper's high, right? You know, endorphins are literally released into our body that make us happy when we are helping people. God has hardwired you and me to enjoy serving other people. My life is actually better. So if you're going through a difficult time, don't retreat. Actually engage, Right? engage, serve, give, help, host, create that space. The best way that we can actually thrive is when we don't just focus on receiving, but I actually focus on giving, right? Freely I've received, freely give. Remember, um, or maybe you've heard this statement or maybe you said it, love is a verb, right? So if, if someone says, I love you all the time, but they don't show you, then it's like, okay, your words are empty to me. So now, unless you're like a words of affirmation person on the love languages, then it's like, you can just tell me you love me all day, and I'll be like, this is amazing. It's the greatest day of my life, right? So my wife and I are like that. She is not a words of affirmation. I am. So I'm like, just, you know, kiss me and tell me you love me. My world is amazing, right? For her, if I say I love you and I, you know, all day, she'd be like, cool, but like, there's still lights out in the bathrooms. So, uh, so what's up? (laughs) So I love you means a big fat zero. If, uh, yeah, show me the love, okay? Show me, I'll I'll show you. Not like that. She's like, change the light bulbs. Darn it. Thanks, guys. All the words of affirmation men are like, we love, we believe in you. So Amazing. Every wife is like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But just like love is a verb, love requires action. God so loved the world that he gave, right? There's a response in love. Gratefulness is the same way. Gratefulness is an action. Gratefulness is not just an emotion, it's a response, right? So if you say, I'm grateful to God, I'm grateful to different things, but you're doing nothing, there's no response from you, then it's an inconsistent, it's a hollow, shallow gratefulness. Let gratefulness begin with thank you, but be followed with action, right? So let me give you a couple things um, that I'm grateful for and how we react to that, right? So I'm grateful for God forgiving my sins. Aren't you? Anyone thankful that God has forgiven your sins? Just five of us? That's cool. <laughs> Some of you guys don't have sin, so that's cool. <laughs> I'm grateful that God has forgiven my sins. He has been generous, right? The Bible says he lavishly poured his love on us, right? He, 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 he forgets our sin right? He, he wipes it clean. He, he eliminates. It, it's as if, right, when we get the righteousness of God, right, it's as if we never sinned. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what Jesus' death on the cross, the blood that he spilled for you and me, it literally wipes it clean. And now the beauty that the, the, the red blood of Jesus actually purifies in a way like nothing else can. It was the perfect sacrifice, the 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 one who was slain from the foundation of the earth the bible says he came and he died on the cross for you and me right and he wipes away our sin and and if you're thankful for that amazing, maybe you're here. You go, man. I still feel weighed down by my sin. And a little bit, I'm gonna give you a chance to respond to Jesus to say, Jesus, heal me, free me, set me free, forgive me of my sin. I'm telling you what, you can leave here today free from that shame, free from that guilt, free from you know all of the 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 pain that comes with trying to just be a good person, live your own life, trying to make it, you know, kind of. Just do all the right things and actually Jesus is going to come in and he's going to bring mercy and he's going to forgive you all your sin. But here's the thing. I'm grateful for the forgiveness of my sins. So my response is that I freely now give forgiveness to others. Right? That's that's the response of that. So if I say, man, I'm so grateful for Jesus forgiving my sin, but then I withhold forgiveness to other people, that's a problem. Now your gratefulness is hollow. It's shallow. It means little. Jesus paid the ultimate price on the cross. The Bible literally says, well, we were still sinners, he died for us, right? It's unbelievable what he did. And so when I receive that, and I'm so thankful for that, when somebody wrongs me, my response must be to release forgiveness to them. I cannot hold grudges. As a believer, I literally, it's one of, there's one of few things that the Bible actually talks about that would jeopardize God's ability to forgive you, and that is when you don't forgive other people. When you withhold grace towards other people, it actually blocks your prayers. It hinders you, right? And so we need to learn how to go, hey, I've, I've received forgiveness with such unbelievable kind of liberality from God. He just gives it freely. He, there, there's no strings attached to his grace. I have received it. And so now my response my grateful response to the goodness of God and his forgiveness is that now I release forgiveness to other people. And, you know, j- just to clarify, just so I, it's, it's said, forgiving somebody doesn't necessarily mean trusting them, right? So it's important to know the difference. Just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean they may, they may not ever be in your life again. Right? They, maybe they're harmful. Maybe they're dangerous. W- whatever the situation is, it doesn't always mean that you have to trust them again. Sometimes trust can be built again. Sometimes things can be restored again. Sometimes God can, can do something unbelievable in that circumstance, and a lot of times we've seen that right? We've seen the powerful restoration of God. But sometimes people maybe have been abused when they're younger, and they need to release forgiveness to that abuser, even though they may never even know them, they may not experience any interaction with them again, and it may not even be safe to do that again, right? But there still has to be a forgiveness released, right? Freely you've received, freely forgive. And that can be difficult, and that can be painful, but it's not about them earning it or deserving it just like you didn't earn or deserve your forgiveness, right? But Jesus gave it freely. I receive it, and now I freely, I give it. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm, amen. I'm grateful for God's blessing, right, financially and his His goodness in that way, so my response is to be a blessing to other people, right? So if I'm going to be grateful for God's goodness coming to me, then I need to make sure it doesn't stop with me, right? That I continue this conduit and the flow of God's blessing. So when we were just back in Minnesota, we were celebrating our youngest daughter's tenth birthday, and there was a piñata. We made it. We had a taco piñata just to celebrate uh, SoCal and uh, bring a little bring a little San Diego to Minnesota. So it was it was it was great. And my older brother picked out like a metal like pipe. Um, was our bat, so you know, no potential for damage to any kids' heads or anything like that. Thankfully nobody died and um, it was it was, it was qu- quite exciting. Uh, as the adult, it's the most dangerous position to be in when you're trying to manage a pinata with children who just can't hear you. All they can think of is I want candy. You know what I mean? So they're just wildly swinging at something. You're hoping their grip is good. Especially when they over rotate and their hands sort of aim right towards the rest of the kids standing behind them. But all is well. But usually as as some good fun during that when the candy's going everywhere, because there's typically somebody wants to go, everyone needs to get the same amount. And I'm like, we're not communists, so no. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm always like, you know, get in there and get you <laughs> get the candy. You know, no one's going to be robbing your candy bag to give to somebody else's candy bag. <laughs> right? <laughs> like the IRS does to all of us. And uh, and um, no one's going to be doing that. And so I'll usually make a good, you know, capitalist type of a joke there. And um, yeah, you, you got to. And it's necessary. And then my, my dad uh, chimed in, and I oftentimes say the same thing. He goes, so I'll say, like, hey, this isn't like, you know, no one's getting ri- participation trophies. Everyone just get in there, get the candy you can. You kind of go for it. Use elbows, whatever you got to do. Um, but then he says, but as a Christian, he said, make sure you're, you share. And and that actually is the truth. This is This is the difference of kingdom like... Patriotism, if you want to call it, versus just a secular ideology where it's just about like, it's just all about what I'm building and my wealth creation and my strategy and my blessing. The difference is, well, we're not going to rob people to even things out as a believer who's received the blessing of God, for me to stay in a receiving only posture and not think about how to be generous towards other people and to help people get stronger is a complete waste of the blessing of God in my own life. And to be honest, I believe that God will begin to shut it off in your life if you become a, a a pond, like a, a dammed-up river, that creates a swamp of God's blessing. If you're becoming a swamp versus a river, where the blessing is just flowing in your life and through your life and to other people, that's what we want to be. Christians should be the most generous in every way. We should have the most generosity, the biggest givers. And statistically, we we actually are. But let's continue that mode right? Let's continue that that, that passion that when God has blessed me, I'm blessed to be a blessing, right? But I'm going to keep that generosity flowing. That's not going to stop with me. Now, the difference might be instead of me just chucking money at every problem, but the, the difference in the Christian mindset also uses wisdom is that part of me flowing that generosity to somebody else is teaching them how to prosper, how to think different, how to live different, how to make better decisions. It's not just about Chucking money out evenly. Because we all know that even lottery winners go broke, right? Because it's not about money. It's about how you understand money, how you handle money, how you manage your money. So I think for us, if you've been lucky enough to kind of have rich dad and not poor dad, you know, if you've read that book, if if you've had that dad, then share that wealth with somebody else. As in share that knowledge. Help somebody else. You see somebody else financially struggling, don't just pray for them. Coach them. Yeah. Teach them. Go, hey, here's how you think differently. Hey, let me, let me show you how to think differently about money. Dr. Matt and Michaela do that amazingly all the time. They've helped Katie and I massively in these last six years, right? So much so that we've seen a 32% increase in business in this last year Ooh. in our lives. Amen? Ooh. Praise God for that. Um, because like a lot of people, the last couple years have been difficult, right? Sales. And we actually not only recovered everything, um, you know, increased that from last year, but actually have seen us, you know, starting to overtake the pre COVID type of, uh, stats. So God is good and God is faithful, but the blessing of God's not going to stop with us. I'm always going to be thinking, who can we be generous to? Who can we help break through to a new level? I'm always, because I've received breakthrough type of coaching and how to increase, I'm always going, how do we help see somebody else go to that next level? How do you not stay stuck? Right? Don't, you, you don't have to be stuck. This is one of the biggest things that challenged Katie and I, is we got stuck in the mindset that, hey, we're just in a season. And I've preached about this. Just in a season. Yeah, it's just a tough season right now. Dr. Matt was like, "Man, how long is a season?" You know what I mean? Like a season in real life is like 3 months. You've been in this season for 7 years. Like that's not a season. You're stuck. You're something's broken. Something's not right, right? So it's okay wherever you're at, but if you're prospering, now help somebody else prosper. And don't ever be intimidated or afraid or embarrassed about the level of increase that's on your life. Unless you're hoarding it all for yourself and getting greedy, then that is a problem. Because the Bible is pretty specific about encouraging those who are rich to be generous, right? And so that's the same thing for, for us. I want to keep matching all the increase that God keeps bringing to my life. I want to keep matching it by increasing my generosity. Right, The moment I think, well, wow, I was really generous and sowed some breakthrough seed, and now that God's blessed me, I don't have to do that anymore. Whoa, I think you've missed the concept, right? I want to stay in a cycle of generosity, of God's favor and God's blessing in my life. And the more blessed you are, the more you can help other people. So never be nervous or, or embarrassed about prospering. Because that just means you can be a greater blessing to more people, right? How great is that? Starting businesses. Many of you guys own your own companies that employ people. Amazing. Look at you. Creating wealth opportunities for so many more people. The more your business grows, the more you're able to help other people prosper. Well, what a privilege. What an honor to be able to do that. Create that space. But let's stay in a, a, a gratitude response to God's blessing is to keep blessing other people. Amen. Amen. Let, let me give you a... Okay, is that all of my time just gone me just chatting it up okay <laughs> um all right thank you um you know part part of why i, I tend to speak up a lot uh, related to social cultural political issues that we're facing um is because of things like this you know sometimes people just think wow you just you're just you're political i'm not really i'm about truth and i'm about giving what i have been given right so one of the things i'm grateful for is freedom i'm freedom from god but also freedom in the country that i live in well so my grateful response should be to keep creating freedom i don't want to just be a recipient of freedom i want to be a creator of freedom okay does that make sense does that make sense so when I'm standing for things and I'm fighting for things and I'm speaking out against things, it's because freely I have received, now I'm going to freely give. Every generation has to d- decide, especially in America, will we maintain the freedoms that we have been given or not? Are we going to fight for these to maintain them or are we going to allow them to go to the wayside? Every generation has to choose that. And I'm going to choose to go, hey, I've been given hard-fought freedoms. Bought with the price of men and women's blood literally spilled to maintain uh, freedom in this nation. So I'm going to then turn around and respond in gratefulness by continuing to extend that freedom to the next generation. I don't know about you, but I don't want just peace in my lifetime. I want peace in the next generation and the next generation. And if that means I have to stand and fight, then I'm going to do what I need to do to stand for freedom so that the next generation can have peace. Amen. And Esther had to make that choice in her time. If you remember the biblical story, there was an edict that had gone out that was gonna end her people's life, the Jewish nation. As you can see, that was a theme of of Satan to constantly try to destroy the Jews right up to Hitler's time. And constantly trying to take out God's people. And and, um, so the plot had gone out and she's in the palace. She's enjoying all the great benefits of the queen lifestyle, right? And all of a sudden it comes to, this is a moment. She has a potential ability to stand up, to step up, to say something. But her life is at stake if she does. It could, it could be over for her if she meets the king on a bad day. It was difficult times. Um, weird times. Husband and wife, but also like, you can't come unless I call you. So kind of weird, you know. Unless that's your vibe at home, that's also weird. Talk to us later. <laughs> Wives blink twice if that's you, okay? Okay, Corey, hey, okay. Um, so she, but she said, you know, she makes a decision. She's going to go to the king. She's going to risk it all. She says, "If I perish, I perish." Right? And she realized, man, I've been given this. I can't. I can't just enjoy the freedoms I have and not bring that to somebody else. So th- this is true from a-, a cultural standpoint, right, that we're, we're dealing with and we're facing. But well, this is true in every area of our lives. I've received freedom. I've got to extend freedom to other people. And the- Jesus talked about casting off demons, right, getting people set free. Don't let people settle in dysfunction, Right, you have an opportunity and a privilege to break things off of people. If you see somebody oppressed, break it off. Anybody who's oppressing somebody, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to bring freedom to that individual or to those people. Amen. <laughs> Let me end, end by this, and uh, I'll have you guys stand with me as we as we close. There's, um, we have these invite cards. You're invited. They're Awakening invite cards. And I was thinking about this because um, we have stacks of them. Make sure you clear us out, so we have to print some more, right, Tiger? Um, one of the things I'm thankful for, right, is is what Jesus has done in my life. So my, the best response of this gratitude and this gratefulness is that I tell the story. How, how many remember uh, the the kind of wildly demon possessed man? That was the. There's a story about it where Jesus sets him free. His name was Legion. I mean, he was pretty tore up. He goes and he sets this man free. It's unbelievable what what happens. And then naturally, this guy who had been demon possessed, who's now free, wants to follow Jesus. Like, hey, I'm coming with you like you did all this in my life. You and me, let's go. And Jesus says, no, he actually tells him to go home and tell people what the Lord has done for you. It's very simple. It's a very simple, basic directive that Jesus gives this man. So basically, whatever God has done in your life, just tell people about it, right? So that's the response. That's my primary grateful response. If he's healed you, tell somebody about it, right? If he's he's healed you emotionally or physically, if he set you free from addiction, tell somebody about it. If he's restored your marriage, tell somebody about it, right? If he's brought a wayward son or daughter home, tell somebody about it. Just the pure fact that he saved you from your sin and and set you on a path of eternity and relationship with God again, tell somebody about it, right? This is our grateful response to what heaven did Is I tell somebody about it. So let's let's keep these with us, right? Wherever you go out to lunch today, hanging out, just make sure you go, hey, have you heard about awakening? Come hang with me. I got a seat for you. Love to invite you. Let's not, let's not keep our Christianity a secret. Let's not have silent gratitude, right? Let's get vocal with our gratitude. Let's be loud about it, right? Let's let people know about the goodness of God. And I love that, you know, that a lot of times they would call that term evangelism. But how many, like, if you're honest, you hear the word evangelism, you get a little freaked out. You're like, okay, I don't know about that. I don't do that. That's weird. Or that's Bible college. Or I'm not prepared. But you know what evangelism really is? Just tell what God did in your life. That's what it is. That's, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to do all these things. You don't have, all, have to have all the right phrases or know the right prayers. Just what did God do in your life? Tell somebody about it that's what changes everything. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's just lift up our hands. Let me pray for you guys. Father, I thank you for our incredible church family who love you, who know you, who are close to you. And I pray, God, that today we we are thankful. We we reaffirm that our gratitude is, is so massive to you, Jesus, for all you've done in our lives, for all that you've given us, for all that you've provided for us for the blessing, the goodness, the favor, the mercy, the forgiveness of our sins that we can never repay. We are so thankful. And as a thankful response, God, would you empower us with your spirit to be your witness, to tell the story of your mercy, to tell the story of your goodness, to tell the story of your faithfulness. God, let this city echo with the God stories of this church. God let it echo from our businesses to uh, to our, our schools to our campuses that we that we travel to the cafes to everything that we do lunch today. God let the story of your grace let the story of your mercy be told through our lives god we may not be the perfect vessel we may feel like we don't got it all together we maybe feel like we don't have always have the right words to say but god we are just committed to saying and telling the story of how you have been good to us and we thank you again for your goodness and your mercy in jesus name and everybody said amen can we thank god Truly thank him for his goodness and his mercy. You know, b- before we head out here, I'm gonna turn back over here to, to Dave in a second. To actually, I'm, I may just I may just close it. We'll see. I've already got everyone standing. I can already see people's got their lunch spot picked out in their eyes. I'm gonna close it. I'm gonna, we're gonna bring it home. We're gonna land the plane right now. But would you just? I want to ask one more question before we before we go, and just. The most important question, the eternity question. Where are you at with Jesus? Are you right with God? Are you you right in your relationship with God? Is he forgiving your sin? And the good news is we don't get right with God by us doing all the right things. We get right with God because of what Jesus has done. He did it, He did the work, He did, He does the saving. He does the redeeming. He does the forgiving. We just have to receive that. We have to make that choice to follow Jesus. So with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed for a moment, On the count of three, I'm just going to ask you, you. Earlier, you are like, man, that was me. I feel the weight of sin. I need him to forgive me. I need him to purify me. I need him to clean me up. I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. If that's you in a moment, I'm going to give you a chance. I want you to lift up your hand. I want to pray with you in just a moment. Or maybe you're here and you say, you know, I've done that in the past, but I feel away from God. I'm disconnected, and I need to make today a fresh sort of a line in the sand of making a decision I'm going to follow Jesus. So if that's either one of those scenarios, say, that's me, Samuel. Pray with me. I need to get my life right with God. I need to get on the right track with him. I need, I need him to save me and forgive me of my sin. On the count of three, I just want you to boldly lift up your hand. One, two, three. Just go ahead and lift up your hand great see your hand anybody else just that's me yeah awesome anybody else just that's me count me in pray with me great give just a couple more moments you say that's me just gonna lift up your hand let me know who i'm believing with awesome so proud of you guys or here's what we're gonna do those who raise your hand or you're about to a whole church family we're gonna pray right along with you guys This simple but bold prayer of putting your faith in Jesus. And as you do, he's forgiving your sin. He's cleaning you up. He's bringing you close to him again. And you can have confidence that your eternity is set with him. So church, pray this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin and raising him from the dead to give me life. I choose... To turn from my sin and follow Jesus with all my heart for the rest of my life. Holy Spirit, empower me to live for you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen, Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.